Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about Tottenham Hotspur all day, every day, for as long as we are breathing and on this earth. Sam and Andres, you're here to join me. Um, we're all breathing, thankfully, after watching that. I don't even know what you want to call it. Let's just call it a clusterfuck, a shit show, uh yeah, we'll just kind of leave it at that. But uh, Sam, I'll start off with you first, man. I mean, should be a good day for all of us, right? How you? Yeah, doing? I mean, you walk away. I mean, it's just crazy. If you told me before that we would walk away with a four-one win against nine men, uh, Nico Jackson scores a hat trick. You tell me all of that, and I didn't watch the match. I would be fucking off the wall, just doing backflips. Uh, but somehow I ended the match like pissed off. Like I yeah. just wasn't happy with the performance. It was, and I don't know, maybe it's a personal thing, but the way I saw it, it was just like a, not really a, a match to be proud of. I think the team, but four one win, I'll take the fucking three points, whatever. Right, Andreas? You got to take the three points. We have we have been struggling to get three points. I am gonna take this three points, and in a run of matches where we were supposed to lose this one, lose the next one, and all this stuff, I'm gonna take these three points, and I don't care how we got them. Yeah, I I guess I could kind of echo what you guys are saying. I uh, I spent a good ten minutes after the match just laughing hysterically by myself like a crazy person because I just I I I couldn't believe it. I was just in complete shock of how shit we were and how somehow we almost lost that game if 4-1 is definitely a flattering uh scoreline for chelsea let's just put that out there from the beginning i'm sure i won't get any retorts from either of you regarding that but let's just go through the lineups really quickly and we'll jump right into it uh robert sanchez retaining his spot and in goal a back four with Levi Colwell at left back, Thiago Silva and DeSassi, the center back pairing, Reese James on the right. So good to see him back. Uh, Caicedo and Enzo, the double pivot. The three in front of them, Cole Palmer, uh, Connor Gallagher, and Raheem Sterling. Nico Jackson leading the line once again. I, I, I guess we'll just kind of start here. Um, and Russell Saunders kind of poses this question. It's the pretty obvious uh uh, question that a lot of Chelsea fans had going into this match when the lineups were released, but he asked us, uh, or he stated rather, that Kukurea should have started. So, Andres, I'll start with you. Uh, Levi Colwell obviously being the surprise selection, returning to left back. We thought we'd never see him play there again, especially considering how well Kukurea has been uh, playing as well. So, is, is that a surprise to you? Do you agree with that statement? I mean, wh- where do you kind of stand I, with the whole one hundred percent? One hundred percent. Even Cola looks better at center back. I'm I'm done with the whole center backs at full back when now that we're healthy again. And in theory, like Cola should only play full back or Jasasi should only play full back when the full backs are not healthy. And right now they both are. I don't mm-hmm. get it. It is clear and obvious on the pitch that we lack a full back. 
like that first half, Sterling on the left side was on a complete island by himself, like 15 yard radius of no help around him. And that comes down to not having an overlapping fullback. I am sick and tired of not having the support for the wingers. We need to switch that. That, that's a that's a good point um just like how the left side didn't have any support um from any overlapping runs uh, i personally i'm not like totally against him playing left back like i for sure would have rather played kukurea um and i'm just curious like what the rationale was like height it's always height we don't have it anywhere else but defense yeah, I guess so. But yeah, I, I mean, Kukurea has just been in such good form. It doesn't really make sense to bench him, right? Especially yeah, I like think with Reese James back, like now you can play him in his actual natural position. Yeah, and like Andre said, I mean, they do have James Madison, who's probably, I mean, he's one of the best set piece takers in world football, if we're being honest. So I get, I get that um, selection in terms of just being willing to defend the set piece it's also going to be a physical match so having obviously more size on the pitch helps you with that situation but i mean i noticed the biggest issue was just in terms of the overall positioning i mean you look at kulisevsky's kulisevsky's goal levi colwell does what they teach center backs to do which is just kind of defend the space and not necessarily get really tight to your man like a fullback should be getting tight to a winger when he cuts inside like kulisevsky did so i thought that was a minor problem i mean if I'm good, I'm just going to double down on that point. I said the same thing when Desasi didn't spot the back post run against uh, Brentford too, because he was occupying a space that normally a natural center yeah. back would occupy. So again, it kind of just goes down to their natural instincts as footballers. If you're going to play Levi Colwell out on the left, you have to expect that there are going to be certain mistakes that he makes or certain brain farts that he has, for lack of a better word, because he thinks like a center back because he's not a left back. Um, but that's just kind of my two cents on the whole thing. I mean, besides that, no real surprises throughout the rest of the lineup. We know Mudrik was coming off an injury. Uh, Brojo was still out, so obviously the attacking options were very limited again. Um, Kukurea, you know, obviously coming off of the bench, helping us out a little bit. Uh, same thing with Malo Gusto. But just moving on here, I mean, I started the podcast by saying we played like shit. I'm going to stand on it. I think we did. Um, yeah. It, was this our most embarrassing performance in recent memory? I mean, I'm just going to be very straightforward with that question mm. here because there's been performances where we've just simply not shown up and just not tried. I'm thinking of all of last season where there was just no effort. This was a lot of effort, but zero cohesion. It, it, it looked like a, it looked like schoolyard football at times. So, Sam, I'll start with you. I mean, in terms of the embarrassment level here. And you actually wanted to talk about this, so you know, why don't you take it away in terms of your feelings on this game? Yeah, I mean, okay, like, I, I, I don't think this was our most embarrassing game because we won. Um, but my, I just saw a lot, and I'm basing this on Twitter, so you know, Twitter's whatever, but it, it is a representation of what people are thinking that it's like don't like why are you getting upset we won who cares like don't focus on the performance focus on the result and i think that's that's just like oblivious to you know like just being blind to like the the reality that 
we were like we could not break down a high press against nine men and almost gave up two goals off of set pieces with a two-man advantage we left Bentoncourt and what was it eric uh eric dyer his son and son well, well son yeah. too but on the set pieces we left a guy on, how do you leave a guy unmarked on two set pieces in a row when you have two extra men on the field it doesn't make sense to me and then the sun chance i mean that was just like i mean shout out to robert robert sanchez he saved our ass right there because if that goes in we walk away two, with two. one point yeah, yeah we walk it's... away with a point and, the, and and we're not gonna we're probably not scoring after that like it just felt like, and it was crazy because this match, the first 12 minutes of the match, we were getting spanked. We were getting yeah. absolutely fucking demolished. And our morale, the team's morale, was just down the shitter. Every single player, like the full back line, the full midfield, the full front three, just did not look up for it. And then. Obviously, the red card. Um, well, before that, yeah. the handball. It, it all changed at that handball. Like, we should have had a red card Look, already. Thrillings? Yeah, it, it goes to Udagi, goes in, cleats up, gets a yellow. Mm. But then it was the Sterling handball, and that's, that's when the flip happened, I feel like. It, it took us getting a goal taken away from us. At that point, we're 20 minutes into the match for them to wake up. I, I didn't even, to be honest, like, I didn't even notice a flip being switched because, like, it, it still seemed like we were playing a little lethargic and just, like, not communicating right. Like, if we play like this against City next week, we're mm. losing 4-0. We're he getting absolutely it. fucking destroyed. It's a historical loss. So... I just am really worried, and I mean, I I don't think we have any talking points on um, Caicedo and Enzo. No, we. But, uh, I have I have Caicedo later, but you could talk about Enzo. Yeah, I mean Enzo, just I don't know. I I want to I, I, I want to talk about both of them together because I don't know if I'm just, this is just like a casual take because I want to hear what you guys have to say. But I thought both of them just like looked awful today and it's been a while since both of them have been on i feel like and it's starting to worry me a little bit i know like kaiseido just turned like 22 last week like you know enzo's very young too like it I, we shouldn't expect them to walk into this the squad and just already be like elite footballers like world class but I just didn't see, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, apart from Caicedo's goal that was taken away, he he lost the ball a bunch. Like, I don't know how many times he 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 took the ball away, but it just it, it didn't seem like it made up for all of his dispossession. So I don't know. Did you guys think it was a little different? I just think it's a bit harsh. I mean, before the two red cards, like we have to. Like as much as we hate Spurs, we have to put it into perspective. This is the best team in the league in terms of the table position up until today. We changed that. It's yeah. back to City. 
But Spurs' high press and the way they deployed the high block when they had 11 players was a shock. I don't think we were expecting that. I haven't seen them do that all season. The way they literally played all 11 players in our half. They haven't done that. Like That was unreal. And I think that that's what made those first 20 minutes look like absolute dog shit on our end. Because they basically said force Chelsea to score on us because they suck at that part of the game. And it was working. It was absolutely working. And we fell for every trap of it. I think we didn't look up for it in terms of the intensity, but their tactical approach when it was 11 versus 11, we this game could have ended a completely different way if it stayed that way. I thought their way of, of pressing us was unbelievable. You could tell what team was mid-table and what team was first place. That's how I was watching that. And just to kind of talk about your point, Tom, about Enzo and Caicedo, I mean, one of the things I noticed that really suffocated our midfield, especially in that first, what was it, 20, 25-ish minutes, I would say, was uh, the inverted fullbacks from Spurs when they were in possession. I noticed Udogi was tucking in into that midfield, and when they would lose the ball, they'd win it back quickly because the only play che- the only place Chelsea can play out of is the middle. Andres mentioned Sterling was isolated out on the left-hand side. Cole Palmer naturally tucks and, in centrally. And Gallagher is he, not a guy that's press resistant. Like he is the, not. That's, yeah. You talked about Caicedo and Enzo. They didn't have an outlet. Like yeah. had we started this match with Palmer up the middle, I think it would have looked probably a lot different in the buildup and 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 breaking down the press and. I don't know if it's because our, our our defense is healthy, but our attack isn't. But as much as Gallagher has been doing great for what we expected from him, I'm I'm ready to see us kind of go gung ho and and not be so negative in terms of like having to play three man midfield against someone that's willing to press us the way that Spurs did. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to see that as well. Like I, I do think using Conor Gallagher as a situational type player in terms of his starts would probably benefit us in the long run, especially when Nkunku comes back. I mean, you have to find a way to get, you know, Mudrick and Kunku and, and Palmer. Uh, Cole Palmer playing together somehow, some way. And I'm hoping that doesn't come at the peril of a guy like Broja maybe getting a chance up top, even though Nico Jackson scored a hat trick, but don't really want to see Nico playing up there uh, much longer, if I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, we can just kind of go right well, to no, it. I, I, mean, I, I didn't really yeah. talk about the embarrassing thing. Like, I think. Oh, yeah, go for it. Go for it. We, we talked about the. You're talking about the Twitter things, so Almond. Like, after the match, like, I was watching it with my wife, and she's like, You seem upset. And I was like, Yeah, I don't know. It just feels weird that we won this way. But then, like, 30 minutes later, I was kind of like you said, scrolling through Twitter, and I was just thinking to myself, we've spent this whole season enjoying the performances and not getting results. So to me, it's like, who gives a damn? (laughs) At this point, we got it all wrong and we won four to one. Like, when was the last time this ever happened to us? Like, when was the last time this group of players prior to this new signings this season had to go against, like, you're the underdog. You were getting you played like absolute dog shit in the first 20 minutes. Um conceded first. Like, yes, there was the red cards. Yes, there was the injuries. That c'est la vie. Like shit happens 
to your players if they don't ever get subbed out. Like, sorry to Van Deveen, sorry to Madison. They accumulated minutes. They play in an intense way. You got hurt. But, like, Romero, eh, like, lost his head. Should have had two red cards, if you ask me. And same thing with Udogi or whatever his name is. The moment he slides, like, he he slid on uh, Sterling, he knew he was out. So, like... What what am I going to take away from this? Yes, we did not have answers for 70 minutes, but they kept trying. And then like after like one goal or the second goal, it got shaky again. But then they got control again after the two set pieces. Like, I don't know, man. Like I we can get like really, really down on it. But we beat Spurs at White Hart Lane in a match that to them, this was like Top of the league, and to them, I feel like this game was way more important than for us. Like, oh, we need to show Potts we don't miss him. Oh, we need to show Chelsea, like, London is white. Whatever. Like, top of the league, unbeaten, and they lost. Tragically. Four to one. Like, was the scoreline earned? No. But then, do you see the XG? It was, like, five to point seven. Like, Mm. all these... This style was atrocious. But... We won four to one. Nico Jackson missed 20, but scored three. Like, I'm going to take this and be happy with it because we don't do this. And I think every good team has matches where they don't do things right and still get the result. So I'll take this. I'll take the three points, get us back to the top half of the table. And maybe this group of players can look at each other and be like, damn, we need to do that more often. Like, we just need to keep trying to shoot whatever i don't know i'll take Keep it doing I'll take that the three... I, I, yeah winning like... winning winning away i'll take it three points okay yeah Fuck okay. It. so all we got to do is just draw two red cards hope that all of their center backs get hurt they sure. have to play midfielder at center back and we fucking Bro, win the league. i don't even well, what the I don't hell? remember the last time what? we beat spurs what? Like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be the neutral party here and say i get what you're saying andres but if this is the sort of standard that's going to be set, it's it, it it's a swing and a miss. One hundred, bro. We need to we need to get. But okay, so you guys rather play well and lose games? That's what I'm hearing. No, no I'm just no. saying like this. This can never be replicated. What we how? We no, just of course won, not. This was it will never this be was replicated. Wild. I think I think like, the only thing you the... take away from this game is the vibes. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah, like I'm ha- I'm, I'm I'm happy about that. Sure, like three points. Against who we who we won against too, their contacts like destroying their hopes of. I mean, they can. I don't still, think because nah, I don't think really we. Necessarily... No, this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> this is the yeah. beginning of the end for Spurs. They lost yeah. their playmaker yeah. and their arguably mm-hmm. their best center back, and then their leader center back is out for three matches with a straight red. Like mm-hmm. they're and, they're about to have it. They have City and, soon as well. Don't forget, Udogi is naturally a center back too, converted to a fullback. So he would be the natural replacement for Romero um, with the suspension. But I mean, yeah. he's out for the next match. So they're probably going to have to play Emerson Royale and Hoiberg again. Uh, in the, you know, I think Emerson Royale, yeah, it was Emerson Dyer. Royale. It was Dyer and Dyer and Royale. playing center back. Yeah. Um, but they're going to have to figure something out because, I mean, they have no depth defensively right now. I'm not too sure what their run-in looks like, but, I mean, this is the Premier League. If if, if you don't have the squad depth, we, we see what happens to teams. They'll drop points and drop points quick. So my, my, last thing, my last thing about the game is, like, yeah, it was ugly. We played poorly, but, like, 
look at our last few matches, like the Brentford one, outside of the Brentford one. Like Brentford was kind of like half good, half bad. But like Drew Arsenal beat Burnley, beat Fulham, beat Brighton. Like I'm not sure like we're allowed to have one bad game and we still won. Like let's like City, we're not gonna come out so naive. Like we know what City's gonna do. They're not a new unknown quantity. We're gonna sit back, defend our ass off. And trying to counter like we talk about like oh if we play the way we played the first 20 minutes like we're not stupid like i really do think tottenham shocked us with their like approach and energy like i i i disagree with ugly okay i disagree with the approach part because tottenham has been doing this all season They've they've only been high pressing. They've only been gung ho. They've only been balls of the wall. If you listen to Pasta Coglu before and after the match, he even says the same thing. He's like, I'm not going to change the way that I play or set up my team just because we go down a guy or two. Like this is clearly a manager and a team that's wedded the certain philosophy and a certain way of playing. So like for me, it was kind of shocking to see that you know, for some for whatever reason they looked surprised that Spurs came out this way. Like every single. Every, every single match leading up to this, they played the exact same way. It doesn't matter who their opponent is. So it's like, it's, it's, it, I don't know. For, for me, it's, a, it's more of a mentality thing than a tactical thing because I think tactically, we, we, there was nothing that was glaringly obvious that was, that was uh, on Pochettino where we're like, dude, you, you swung and missed. I mean, the Colwell shout, maybe, sure. Are we more defensively sound with Colwell against a team with a with a lot of attackers like Tottenham? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You can make the argument. It's not like a detrimental decision that, you know, would lose us a game. Mm-hmm. But my point being, like, do your homework. Like, like this is literally the scouting report. Like, this is like playing against Kobe Bryant and being surprised that he can drop 40. It's like are, I think you shoot mid range like, jumpers. This is what, what the they, this is what they do. Like they they they, they are the best high pressing slash counter pressing team in the league they're balls to the wall they're all out attack they don't compromise their style for anybody or anything i don't know it was just weird to me that the players came out and were just like oh you know what like i'm enzo i can take six or seven touches in the middle of the field and i won't get absolutely clobbered by somebody like it i don't know i think it's a mentality thing more than than a tactical thing in this one sure i in terms of the tactics they're like we talk about Spurs, like I will be surprised if Ange Postacoglu keeps up the the little good guy thing now that things are about to get real hard without his starters. Like I'm yeah. I'm ready for the the curtain to drop on him because not like as a like as a tactical thing or whatever. I just think like he's just giving us the fun quotes. Like it's it's gonna get real without uh... arguably the player of the season in Madison and then arguably the the dark horse signing of the season in Vandevin. Like it's going to be weird. Like it, it, I, I don't think he's going to be playing a high press with 12 freaking 90 minutes of intensity when the players aren't there. Like again, Klopp learned that lesson really quick. He, he learned that. That's he what I'm saying. Klopp, yeah. Klopp goes from being the darling to like a meme because shit started hitting the fan. Like he just lost his first game. Do I need to remind everyone what Conte started sounding like when he started losing? Like, hmm. I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I'm gonna have my popcorn ready. I, I I love that guy, Big Ange. I mean, fucking, I don't care. It feels wrong to like a Spurs manager, but so far, 
that guy says the right things. Seems like a proper fucking guy. Like I don't know. He's too good I'm, for I'm, them. Yeah, I, I I hope what you're saying is true because I don't want to continue liking the guy. It feels wrong. Yeah. It feels dirty. Hey, it just feels easy because they haven't lost until today. That's all I'm saying. Like everything is rainbows and butterflies till you get fucking smacked in the face at home. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's where you really see the true colors of the team. Um, speaking of true colors, I think we saw the true colors of a Raheem Sterling today. Um, and that not being a bright, vibrant color, it being a very dull gray, if you ask me. I thought he was dog shit today. Uh, and I'm just going to be very straightforward about it. Um, I've said it since the beginning of the season, and my point still remains valid. That Raheem Sterling does not show up unless we're playing shit teams or against nine men. I've only seen him perform... <laughs> In the EFL, the cup matches, or against Burnley, or against Luton, or against nine tired Tottenham players, uh, half of them playing out of position because of forced injuries or whatnot. Guys, I, I, I don't... This is supposed to be our veteran attacker, the guy that we're supposed to lean on when shit gets difficult, the guy that's supposed to pull a rabbit out of a hat, yada yada yada, and I just don't see it. Like, I know the handball goal and everything, and I heard the commentary saying, oh, what a clever flick over the keeper. It's like, dude, it took six <laughs> lucky deflections before it went into the back of the net. There's nothing clever about it. He just closed his eyes and smacked the ball, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and it, the, the, the second yellow for you, Doggy, like, yeah, that was a two-on-three. That oh, was a two-on-three. He, he should have played Nico. He should have played Palmer. He should have played Nico. Like, that was Done that something. came off the run of like three different counterattacks where Sterling made the wrong choice. Yeah, and it's then there was one play where there was one play where Reese James gave up like flicked it over his man into the path of Raheem Sterling and he was in on goal and Raheem Sterling slowed down when he received the ball. Like and 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 mind you, you know he slowed down because Spurs' slowest player on the pitch in Hoiberg caught up to him in a foot race. One to tackle gets the crowd fired up. I mean, th th so, these are, these are the types of out. things where, like, think about this, and, and I know I'm nitpicking one specific situation, but if you have a quality player there, he takes that ball, he puts his head down, he makes a run towards goal, and the only challenge Hoiberg can make is a red card challenge, a 1v1 challenge, yeah. right, from behind. But instead, Sterling takes a shitty first touch, he either takes his touch wide, he takes his touch into his man, or he takes his touch away from goal. And it just... Yeah. You're not doing us any good when you're five foot five facing away from the goal. So, I mean, that's kind of my Sterling rant. I'm over him. If you guys are asking me, I think Mudrick came think we on. We all are. He was shit too, but <laughs> at least Mudrick knows what he's supposed to do. Mudrick gets the ball and at least tries to take his man on. You know what I mean? At least he has the. At least he has the pace in behind. We know he has some sort of end product. You know, he finally scored a goal for us. So like. Let's just give them a run out. They cannot do any worse than Raheem Sterling has been doing for us. Yeah, he's 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 only going to get better versus Raheem Sterling is like I, I don't know what's going on. Like the one thing also that like you didn't mention that is what's irking me the most is the zero defensive work rate whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It's a fucking London derby. We talk about those first twenty minutes. Who was the guy walking in our team? Raheem Sterling. Mm -hmm. Nowhere to be found. 
helping defensively. And again, we talk about what does what do Spurs do right now? They attack with absolutely everyone and they just hope they outscore you. Like that is their MO. So we need to defend with everyone as part of like how you counteract that. And Raheem Sterling now for three or four matches has shown me he gives zero shits about the defensive work rate or first of defensive responsibilities. You tell me that Raheem Sterling scores a brace every match and I say, fuck it, he deserves not to defend. But we're talking about a guy that just like, like I last match, uh, who who did we play last match? It was Redford. Blackburn. No, the Black, oh, Blackburn, Blackburn, Blackburn match. He was absolute dog shit there too, but he scored a goal. So then everyone seems to just like forget. Like I, I said, like he pulled an Alonzo where Alonzo would have an awful game, but then score a winner. Like that's not good enough for the player who is the highest salary in the team right now. Like that, that's where my anger comes in. We what, what, paid this dude. Yeah. What's up? Sorry. No, just like what you're the logic you're using right now. That's the same logic that I have when I'm upset after the match. Even though we won 4-1, I fucking, like, like, I can't get over the fact of how shit we looked. Like, the same thing with Raheem Sterling. Like, he scores a goal, I still can't get over how the fact that he looked That's, so bad the whole match. The this same, was one kind of match. Idea. No, okay, if you tell one me that match. we We're do this... We're in fucking 10th place right now. We haven't looked okay, good all but, year. But w- bullshit. Bullshit. There, we have Dude. talked over and over again about, oh, we had this, we just can't finish. We've been literally like but we're fucking loading sausages in our mouths for a fucking 14th place team <laughs> oh it's coming oh we're so fucking we're gonna be great and kunku oh we finally fucking win a game and now we're gonna be bitching about it no i think yeah. it's different bitching, that's bro. totally are you accusing us of lizzie guzzling yes 100 <laughs> percent. if, if that's admit, the way we're thinking it. about it no, I don't think it's the same. I think Sterling has been shit all season, and he's still getting the minutes. It's totally different. Yeah. I, I, and I also want to add one more point on Sterling really quickly, but I also think the Never fact that Sterling... Never guzzling is gizzy. <laughs> well, no, that's for sure. But but the thing with Sterling, too, that should be mentioned, and, and actually we're going to move on to Nico Jackson next, and we might as well just jump into it, but I think Sterling being so shit is contributing to this like run of form that Nico Jackson is having too, right? If he has a reliable attacker, you know, flanking next to him or playing next to him, because let's be honest, like Andre said, Sterling doesn't do any defensive work. Whenever we do transition to attack, he's always our highest attacker. And he doesn't pass Nico Jackson either. is always deeper than Sterling. Sterling is always the furthest up the pitch. So in having that and having a guy that's essentially a black hole, in the attack because he receives the ball and we never see it again. I think it takes away from Nico Jackson's game. What if Nico Jackson, and I know it's an exaggeration, but let's just go back to the times of Eden Hazard. I'm just using him as an example because he's a reliable attacker. If you have somebody that's reliable, that you know what they're going to produce week in and week out and match in and match out, you know what their strengths are, it's easier to play off of them. Can you tell me what Raheem Sterling's strengths are this season? What is one thing that he's done really well for us consistently? Just got a fat ass. That's it. He got a fat ass. He got a dump truck. He can't dribble consistently. His finishing is inconsistent. Positionally, he's inconsistent. 
like Andres mentioned, some games there's a defensive work rate. Other games like today, there's absolutely nothing. It, he gives you these moments, these individual moments, but they come against shitty teams, or they come in a, in a match like today where he's basically running out of tired defense. I don't see a Raheem Sterling in the future for Chelsea Football Club, even if we do wind up ticking on all cylinders or firing on all cylinders. I don't see Raheem Sterling being an impact player against top-level opposition. No, you said it right there. It's, it, it's, you only see individual moments from Raheem Sterling. You never see him like combining and, and laying it off. Like There's time. Like You talked about, like, oh, what if he had Hazard? Bro. Let's just look at this season. When Cole Palmer is the closest guy next to him, Cole Palmer has assisted Nico Jackson like three or four times. Sterling assisted, I believe, assisted him once today, and that's because <laughs> it was against nine men in the 90th minute. Yeah. And it was a sideways pass, like, like a FIFA tapping, like we were saying. Mm-hmm. It's just like Raheem Sterling gets close to the box, head goes down, and he is going to go try to go to his right foot. And if he can't get to his right foot, then he'll try and be like, oh, I tried to cross it. But really, it was like the last thing in his brain to even do to do the cutback cross straight into a defender. So it's just like, when do I see the Sterling reign ending? January. Because right before this match, um, what's his name? Ornstein was saying that we're 100% signing an attacker in January. Like, that's the goal. And by January, Hopefully, the rest of our attack will be healthy. So whoever the pe- missing puzzle piece will be, whether it's Abroja, whether it's Nkunku, whether it's Chukwameka coming back, whoever the hell it is, Raheem Sterling better become a rotational option by then because he adds nothing to the gameplay, to the style, to what we're trying to do. Because like you said, we only get individual moments once in a blue moon from him. Well, wouldn't the attacker coming in, he'd probably be a striker, no? Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like we discussed earlier, like you'll have Mudrik healthy, like you have all your other attackers there as well. Like you're going to have to make room for somebody. I just hope that that's... Yeah, I just don't, I don't see that. I don't see that, unfortunately. Like as much as I would love to see him play less, I I just still think that the team is going to, write it write it out well we we do need to get somebody that does what we bought sterling to do um and that's to score goals it's 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 very Hopefully very Kunku. simple i mean i mean i think yeah. i think we have the creative aspect of the game pretty much down i mean cole palmer can handle the creative side of things in the attack as far as when I'm reese james being back is huge huge i mean when enzo's not going to play like this every match we know what he can do when he's you know when he's on form so I do think creativity-wise, and Kunku too, let's not forget, is coming back also, even though he's more of a yeah. goal scorer, but he does a little bit of everything. But my point being, I think we need another goal scorer in the team, because if Nkunku is going to be our only guy that could come in and consistently score, which still remains to be seen. I mean, he hasn't even made his debut yet, but Premier I'm just League. assuming yeah, that yeah. he's going to come in and bang. So assuming Yo, he Reece does, James? we need a complimentary Sorry. piece. Sorry, just Reese James, you mentioned him. That uh the the whole sh- clusterfuck uh handball no I I think I think it was the handball uh goal that was taken away. Did you guys see Reese's fucking ball? Did the diagonal he played to him? Oh my god, that was nasty, bro. I think he hit that first time outside first of the time, foot half volley. Dude, like I love. I'm so happy he's back, but he- I think 
he should have taken a couple more shots himself. Shots, rather than, I agree. Yeah, rather than playing yeah. it. Um, he, he is he centimeters away from that back post. He is centimeters yeah. away. He's tried it now back-to-back matches. That shot is going to be killer because yeah. once he hits one of those, then the defenders won't know what to do, whether to cover middle or cover the or cover the goal. And that's when we're going to really profit from those. It's ah, uh, it's so nice to have him back. His yeah, his chest control is insane. He has yeah. one of the nicest first touches, like coming off of his chest, like on a off a diagonal. Insane. It's like a feather. Um, but anyways, I mean, we're going to talk about Reese James in a bit. I want to talk about Nico Jackson because I I said we would, but. I mean, obviously, this is the ugliest hat trick of all time. I don't think there's any disputes on that. Um, I think he could have had a double hat trick if he was Diego Costa. Um, but, I mean, a couple things to note here. The missed chances, the performance leading up to the hat trick, the sh- the shameless celebration, which I thought was hilarious. And I know some Chelsea fans took offense to that because they're like, who are you to think you can celebrate after playing like shit? And I said, we're Chelsea playing at Tottenham. You can do whatever the fuck you want. His job is to score goals. He scored three. Let him do whatever the fuck. Let he him wants. do whatever he wants. So I mean my question It was funny, but it was fucking shameless for sure. Oh, <laughs> it, it was it was probably the most shameless celebration since Pedro Poro took off his jersey and held it up to the Spurs fans earlier this season. <laughs> and then they he, ended he up had a, he had a deflected cross <laughs> oh. that went in the oh, back of the that, net yeah, and yeah. they got a draw. Yeah. And he tried to pull the messy remontada celebration. Messy. Like, who are you, bro? Get out of here. This guy's a fucking clown. Oh, but um, anyways, God. I mean, the, the, the big question with Nico Jackson, and I've seen this debate on Twitter since the match, but he, you always say when a striker's not scoring, the remedy to that is to put the ball in the back of the net. And he did that three times. And not only that, he did it against Spurs of all teams, who technically are the be- were the best team in the Premier League leading up to today. So my question to you guys is, is this the kind of performance that pushes his game to the next level? Because the obvious answer is, of course, yes, it should, but will it? Do you no. personally think Nico Jackson is going to kind of take this, be like, listen, I don't care how I played. I got my three goals. You know, next match, I'm, 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 I'm going to be in a different headspace. I'm going to say no, simply because all his goals came in behind high line breakdowns like Nico Jackson's issue Nico Jackson's issue is getting the goals when someone's deep when they're defending like normal people because again Spurs's style of defending is absolutely wild like if Nico Jackson gets in behind he he scores like we saw that in the preseason like that's not that's not impressive to me. You're one-on-one against the keeper. Like you should be scoring those. I'm talking, I need to see one touch finishes. I need to see mm-hmm. crowded box. I need to see that's where like a performance like that is going to tell me this dude is, is learning. He has worked on his weaknesses and now we're going to get somewhere. Now, if you tell me that he goes on and scores a goal against city, then I'm going to say I was wrong. And I'll, I'll next weekend. I'll, I'll be like, shit, I was wrong. He, he is building off of something. I agree that scoring is going to help him. I just don't think that this is like Nico Jackson is him moment. I think he had a good game. Um, but it's just today's was, was an easy one. He was. So you're saying today he did his best Murata versus Stoke impression. 
Sure. <laughs> the difference between the two is that the difference between the two is that Murata could score every one touch finish while screw up every dribble up against the keeper, and Nico Jackson can score the dribble ups against the keeper, but not the one touch finishes. Mm. Sam, so, what do you exactly. think? Does Nico does Nico start banging? Come on, man. That that question is just as shameless as Nico Jackson's <laughs> celebrations. <laughs> like, what did he do? Hey, I'm not saying he will. I'm just posing the question. Uh, yeah, I know. The question is shameless. There's no, there's no, <laughs> like, he did not do anything to give me confidence. Like, like I said before, what happened today can, will never be replicated. Um, I mean, there's a possibility it can, but chances are we won't get another match like that against a top team. Uh, he's got to get his shit together. I mean, he he was able... I, I was going to say before that I'll, I don't think we'll ever see him score with his left foot, but I think all of his goals were actually with his left foot. But, um, it, they, but they were tap-ins. They were tap-ins, you know? Like, the other two chances that he had, and... Also, this was a the before the match they were showing like like his his miss against uh, Villa and like other couple misses and it's him receiving the ball and if he was able to strike it with his left foot far post he would put him put it away instantly but he has to either go you know do another touch and hit it with the you know outside of his right foot. Or try to cut back to his right. And he did that today. He cut back to his right. And I thought it was a decent chance. I mean, people the are saying. Save? Was, yeah, like people are saying, oh, if he was more clinical, he would have put that away. It's like, eh, I guess, yeah, like, sure. If he was fucking, class. Yeah, like, yeah, if he was Thierry Henry, probably would have put that away, sure. <laughs> but we don't need yeah. him to be, we don't need him to be Thierry Henry. Like, we need him to, like, actually, like, just play decently and just be serviceable uh, exactly so i guess that's uh, the main thing because like when i think of like w when i think of the type of type of player that nico jackson could be i don't think he's going to be like your mercurial 30 25 goal a season striker like i i don't think that's in him i think the type of player he could be would be like not stylistically but just in terms of his production similar to like an Ali Giroud where like sometimes he'll play and he won't put up a mm -hmm. goal or an assist but he'll be like sort of like that 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 piece that stretches the defense or occupies a center back or creates space for another player I think he could be that kind of impact player not necessarily the superstar let me go score 25 30 goal seasons and, and put my name mm -hmm. in the hat for the Ballon d'Or shortlist I don't think that's him um, and credit to us credit to us too because I think we all identified that like just through the preseason um, that this guy will probably not like finish the season as our leading goal scorer, even if he plays yeah. the most matches starting mm -hmm. at striker, um, because he's just simply not that kind of player. I don't think. Um, can he's he develop into that player? We'll see, but I don't know. It's it's. I'm still not Early days. very confident. It's, it's yeah. It's sad. It is. I mean, we just. I. It's. But like when he looked really good was when Nkunku was was there with him, and that's what I'm saying. If you if, mentioned if, like, that earlier, yeah, Sterling, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think like that. Oh, wait, 
Sorry, go ahead. Gotta gotta have gotta have somebody near him to to do the things he's good at. The pass, move, pass, move, pass, move. The moment mm-hmm. the ball gets isolated wide to Sterling, and it's okay. Yeah. Sterling is slowing it down. Nico Jackson has no idea what to do because he's not your fox in the box. He's not your Lewandowski. I'm ready for anything that comes my way, and I can touch it and it goes in. Like he is involved in the buildup, and if he finds a way to get open, he'll finish it. Then, so it's mm-hmm. like he thrives in these little just chaos through passing situations not the wait let's see when i can snap up the cross oh there it comes boom front post run go no like that's not who he is so yeah so i'm just gonna wait wait it out until nkuku returns and if he continues to play like this then i will have you know really big concerns for him but as of now i just i'm waiting i'm waiting for that return i think we all are i still want to see broja and get a run of games when he's you know whenever yeah, after city it. we have an international break again right so yeah, he'll have an extra week yeah I think it's after anything, city or the match after that i know there's another break in november though unfortunately if, for us if anything like like breaks. i would say like broja earned like it's i'm thinking like what's the opposite way of saying broja earned the chance to start it's like like Nico hasn't Nico convinced. <laughs> yeah. Nico yeah, hasn't, hasn't convinced convinced. enough to say he's the outright starter. I think that's he, how you word yeah. that. Yeah, like he deserves scored, to get sit down. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Broja score double digits at Southampton? Yeah, he had ten. I think. Yeah, so like, I mean, that alone should, you know, give him some merit at least in the coach's eyes. Um, but anyways, I want to move on. I want to talk about VAR and how it sucks. Um, <laughs> it was again, like he, the last three or four weeks of the premier league. I mean, it's not just with Chelsea, but it's across the entire league. VAR remains the main talking point. You know, it's not the, the performance refs in general, the refs in general. Exactly. It's not the brilliance of the league or the rivalries or anything like that. Even the story of this game for much of it was just that inconsistency and the lethargicness if that's even a word of var and the decision making process of var Um, i'm just going to read out the first half only because if i read out all of the shit that happened with var in the second half it'll take us through the end of the podcast this is the first half only 14th minute hyungmin sun goal ruled offside 21st minute raheem sterling goal ruled out for handball 27th minute moises caicedo goal ruled offside Keep in mind, this is the same Moises Caicedo goal that was ruled out in the lead-up to Christian Romero's red card, uh, where we were awarded a penalty because Christian Romero went two-footed tackle into Enzo Fernandez's studs, very similar to Malo Gusto. Yeah, he did win the ball first, but you can't just fucking try to, you know, amputate someone's leg on the football Kill pitch. Kill someone. That's... That's not how the match. That's not how the game works. So, anyways, Christian Romero sees red after VAR review for a foul in the run-up of Caicedo's offside goal. Two minutes after that, 35th minute, Cole Palmer levels it from the spot. Two minutes after that, Nico Jackson scored a goal, and that was ruled offside. In total, there was 111 minutes played of football today in a match that was only supposed to be 90 minutes. Um, just my thoughts, really quickly, on the whole VAR situation. I think the inconsistency of the types of calls we're seeing and how from one match it can be a red card and another match it's not is the exact reason why we brought VAR into the game to to wash away these 
referee inconsistencies because oftentimes you see center refs you know some are more lenient some are not some interpret red card tackles differently than others this is why we have var the rules are supposed to be very clear right now when var is actually instituted it is anything but that how many fucking lines do they have to draw for an offside decision and whatever happened to the term clear and obvious is that even still a thing? Because as far as I'm concerned, they're only supposed to review it if it's a or overturn it if it's a clear and obvious error. If you have to count the blades of grass in between somebody's left armpit and the other defender's fucking pinky toe, then that is not clear and obvious. Let the game play on. Let the flow of the match move on. The other issue I had with VAR was the ruling out of Moises Caicedo's goal. They ruled Nico Jackson offside because he impeded Vicario's view of the goal. I'm sorry, but last time I checked, every time there's a fucking free kick, there's six players impeding the, the, the goalkeeper's view before the kick is taken. Or His own players, If a free though. kick goes in the back of the net, is that impeding a view? Like, I, 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 I just, I, I don't understand the logic of taking a shot from outside the box. You, there was easily... 12 to 13 yards between Vicario and Nico Jackson, and another 10 yards from Nico Jackson to Caicedo. It was just baffling to me that they ruled out that goal. So that's one mistake from VAR. The other mistake uh, that I thought was was blatantly obvious was Udogi. Should have got sent off much sooner. Not with a straight red, but with a second yellow. He picked up maybe three or four yellow cards in the entire match. Referee kept letting him go and letting him go. And then finally, the yellow card that he actually gets sent off for, it's completely undeniable that he intentionally took Raheem Sterling down. Like you said, I think it was you that said it, Sam. Like, he knew that he was sent, being sent off right when he made that challenge. But just the inconsistency of these calls and the amount of time it takes to make the call is insanity. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought for the most part they got it right. Um, but yeah, like, it's a disaster just like for the spectacle of the match because like it was rough that first half was really hard to get through and it seemed like they were like actually like taking the piss and purposely like prolonging every var review just to fuck with us um mm -hmm. like if you look in the 28th minute was the moises caicedo goal that got ruled out and Cole Palmer didn't score his penalty until the 35th minute. So eight it took like later. seven minutes. Yeah, eight, seven minutes to fucking figure out what happened. And and re realistically, we benefited from the offside call because like, if, if they ruled that a goal, then they wouldn't have given the red card. I don't know. Actually, I have no idea. Um, but because the red, the tackle happened before the goal um so yeah it, it was just a shit show i think for the most part they got it right the udogi yellow the f the first one i mean i'm not gonna cry about it but i i kind of agree that you know he, he it was it was reckless like th they, they have a different standard of review like reckless and then dangerous and I don't understand how they. It, it, it's really not clear. Like, and during the off season, or hopefully during the international break, like they need to get together and just figure out and determine like what is considered reckless, what's considered, uh, you know, dangerous. Because he, 
completely left the ground, two two uh you know legs up, studs up, like the same. Kai Havertz did the same thing uh against Newcastle, and he only got a yellow. Um, but we see it happen where like what what's the difference? Whether he makes contact or not, like whether actually someone gets hurt or not, that's that's to me the difference between a red card and a yellow card. Like reckless is still dangerous. Like just because they got lucky and and you know like the the, the player the the other person receiving the foul got lucky that he wasn't like like you know five inches more forward where his fucking would have his leg would have snapped. Um, I, I just really think they need to sit down and rethink all of these like standards of review. Yeah, the the ones. So my big issue today was honestly just more the in game like the things that didn't go to VAR. Like I I can probably count six different fouls for Pedro Porro and he couldn't even get a yellow card. Like things like that. Like the VAR decisions, I like I agree with some. I think they got them mostly right. There is the gray area on them. There's also the how it can Nico or not Nico, whatever his name is, Romero kick someone after the play and that not get called. Like that dude earned two red yeah, no cards. No card today. at all. And, and the commentary said the same that. thing. In the Beckham documentary, what's different between <laughs> the kick out with Beckham and yeah. this? Like it's the same but, exact motion, the same exact intent. So, right, exactly. So he had the intent to kick someone. Like it's clear and obvious that he had malicious intent. That's a red card. Um, the the one thing that just annoyed the shit out of me, it felt like they were now going to VAR for everything. Was now in the second half. Sam mentioned already the the discourse that was the first half of all VAR. Second half, Reese James jumps up for a contested header, where his arms go up to make him like you know you you jump up, your arms come up with you, oh, and, and they then they you. take yeah. three more minutes to check if he elbowed a guy because so. in one freeze frame his elbow is near someone's head. It's like. The referee was literally, and the commentator said it, feet away from them, and he didn't say anything. So my issue was that VAR was overtaking the job of the head referee today. So now, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Ang, I think it was Big, Big Anja Postokogu. He said after the game, it's like, you can't have somebody miles away telling the live referee what to do because then that's where the issues happen because then the players won't respect the, the on-field refs who are making decisions True. because the real decisions are happening miles and miles away. I, I can't remember. Was it not Howard? Who the hell was it? Anthony? No, Michael Oliver was the referee today. Yeah, all of Michael he Oliver. Was, he was trying to play and then they're like, wait, 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 wait. Like The throw came in as he's th- blowing his whistle to do a VAR check yeah. on on nothing, on nothing, and it took five minutes. It's it's also the the whole thing you guys talked about, like oh, how many people does it take to draw lines? Like, I think the technical issue here, you need to have more cameras in these stadiums. If you can yeah. fit a hundred thousand people, mm-hmm. it's like why do we have three takes? Why does the NFL click, 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 and have twelve different views of the same freaking play, and we can see how many freaking hairs? are on the fucking receiver's forearm as he's trying to reach for a first down. But here, I can't tell if Nico Jackson's butt is offside next to whoever the hell the center back was under Caicedo goal. Like, it is 2023, and these are blurry, 
murky, like two angles per stadium. Come on now. Like the richest league in the world outside of maybe Saudi can't do that. Or or adding like there's an Adidas ball that can measure how hard you hit it, how many how much speed it has after contact. Yeah. You can't Some add sponsor. something like that to where when you hit the ball, that's where you freeze frame. The ball was hit at this point. Check if it's offside. Because that's another <laughs> they, thing. They spent a lot that's of time trying to figure out. Yeah. When did the player hit it? Did the player hit it here? Mm. Or do I need to freeze frame three seconds back? Like, that's another thing. Half the time, like, I, I'm thinking now the FA Cup we lost to Leicester. Tiago Silva's pass to, to Ben Chilwell could have been onside. Because yeah. it was like microscopic yeah. distances. It's There is... Technology has come so far, yet we still like shackle it. And then on top of that, the Premier League has the absolute worst referees in the world to make VAR even more of a pain in the ass. They got most things right, but it added, like Zach said, almost extra times worth of football. Like, mm-hmm. I hate to sound pity, like have pity towards Spurs, but nine, their nine players have to play again this weekend after that. Like, that's nuts, man. VAR and, and all of PG Mole, whatever the freaking ref association in the FA is, is absolute yeah. dog shit. They need, to, they need to figure it out because, like you said, they, they spent so much time looking at that. But in the Arsenal-Newcastle match, like, Bruno Guimaraes so clearly intended to elbow Jorginho on the back of the head. And VAR <laughs> looked at it and they didn't give him anything. They're like, nope, like, he just, nope. That or just the like Luis Diaz, the, the yeah. Luis Diaz versus uh, Tottenham goal that they called offside. They showed that for maybe ten seconds, maybe mm-hmm. ten seconds, and it's like you guys need to really get like it is time to mic these fools up, put them in a press conference. Like if you're gonna let them get away with this shit, like yeah, hold them accountable. Like Mike, my, my uh, Anthony Taylor got demoted to the championship. Finally, we and finally saw think, the first I was, punishment. I think it was temporary though. Wait, it but is, did you see is. the clip? Did you but see the he, clip of yep. the penalty he gave up? This dude takes a clear shot and then dives face first after no contact, and he calls a pen. Like, dude, he got there is a punch. reason. There is a reason these referees aren't invited to ref at the World Cup. Mourinho is is killing Anthony Taylor after he's like, I told y'all he sucks. Europa League, I could have won it, but this man. Fucking trash, man. I hate these referees. We need to bring in that, like, scary-looking Italian guy. What's his name? Luigi, Gianluigi something. You guys know what I'm talking about? The Babadook, the Babadook-looking motherfucker. Yeah. That guy's a fucking savage. He refs, like, he, like, ref like, every single World Cup final. Like, this guy's a fucking beast. Bring him back. Bring him to fucking England. Honestly, like, and this goes with any technology or business or practice or whatever, but, like, it's only going to be as good as the person controlling it. And when yeah. you already have shit referees in the Premier League, and then you put them in charge of drawing, you know, pink and purple and yellow and blue and green and whatever the color, color lines, like, what do you expect? Do you really like these guys haven't made a correct decision in their entire life? You think if you put them behind a screen, they're going to suddenly figure out the oh this is how i should have it it, it it doesn't make any sense all right let, let, let's yeah, move on, we'll move on everyone knows this everyone knows, the everyone this is very topical. It's, it's one of the few things that every single fan 
can just like collectively agree agrees. on. Yeah, we yeah. all unite against the fucking PGMOL, whatever the fuck they're called. PGLOL. The fact that we, the fact that we all know what the name of that entity now <laughs> shows how fucking bad they are. Yeah, <laughs> because we've all we've all existed. read their bullshit apologies. They'll make a they'll they'll have like a like a terrible match, and and then they'll be like. Oh, we we discovered that we made Hashtag an error. Hustle. And uh and we're sorry, we'll do better. Okay, cool. That's sick. If I'm driving a car and I accidentally hit somebody and god forbid kill them, am I going to say, "Oh, I'll do better when I drive next time?" No. Hey, <laughs> you, like, you, you have accountability. Time. There's accountability wow, for making this shit decisions. Vehicle vehicular manslaughter, huh? <laughs> That's how bad this yeah. is. All right. All right, let's move on. Let's go. Let's go. We're, yeah, 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 yeah. It's been an hour. <laughs> whatever all right we spend half positives, the time positives, about positives, positives um oh. ron asked us a question and i just kind of want to start here uh before we talk about the three positives i picked but he asked ugly win but still a win outside of not dropping points what positives do you take away from today let's just focus on one each um so andres i'll start off with you what's one positive you you took away from today the quote dude the quote we have our we have our new star man it's it's cole palmer it can't get enough of this guy like i like i came into the season i was like oh enzo is gonna be the main man right like my head is like every game enzo has to start he's gonna be the key to everything and then we spend 40 million on cole palmer and i was like oh english tax maybe not worth 40 million fuck that 40 million is an absolute bargain for this guy he just oozes class like you play him at right wing you play him at cam you play him at false nine whatever you want to do this dude is just making things happen whether he has an overlapping fullback whether he has an inverted fullback whether he has a number 10 next to him or, or it's a midfield three like he can do it all for you he can truly do it all for you in the big games in the small games like I have yet to have a game this season where I'm like, man, Cole, Cole Palmer, not a great game. Like, it's unbelievable how good this guy is. And the fact that he, the new guy, officially our pen taker, officially. There is no debate. I don't care. If Nkunku comes back, you keep letting this kid shoot him. I am yeah. over the moon with his performances. I know you have a few stats you want to swing, like, tell us about him. I. There's just not enough I can say about Cole Palmer. Like, he is amazing. Well, well maybe these stats will kind of paint the picture for you. Uh, first one is Cole Palmer has scored or created a big chance in each of his last six EPL matches. First player to do so since Eden Hazard in 2018-2019. Second one was that Cole Palmer registered more big chance creations with five. Uh, that's more than Odegaard, Zobazlai, Saka, Paqueta, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Kulisevsky, Kai Havertz, Phil Foden, Kevin McAllister, Peus Nunez, Karo Matoma, and more. So I believe only four talk... players. I believe only four players have more than him, and it's uh, Salah, Madison, Bruno, and add a fourth. Yeah, not too sure who the fourth can be. Still, that's just a very short list maybe of people like, better than maybe a guy Doku, that showed up a week you, I mean, before yeah. the season. Could be like yeah, maybe Doku. or Alvarez, like yeah. Bernardo Silva or something. Yeah, but it's it's just um, four players though. Yeah, and and let's keep in mind, Cole Palmer came in a couple games into the season, so it's not like he started every match since the beginning with us. Like he came in, 
no preseason training, freshest face in the group, and he looks like the guy that's arguably been there the longest. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think he's our signing of the summer. I don't expect anybody to outplay him between now and the end of the season based on what I've seen so far. So, I mean, good on Cole Palmer. Sam, um, you got a positive about today? I've already made it known, Zach. I am a sick individual. I don't like drawing positives from from matches like this. I'm I'm choosing to be grumpy and no. Um I don't know, I guess I I'm happy that to see Reese James back. Um I thought he looked good. Um didn't really look like like I previously when he came back from injuries, um and we're all veterans of watching Reese James come back from injuries. Um he looked you know, slow, he looked like heavy or whatever, like just didn't look like he was in shape. I didn't really see that today. So that's giving me, you know, that that giving me hope that maybe uh, you know, we'll see him start again soon. Um, I mean, do you guys start think he starts again against City? Probably, right? Like I don't yeah. know if he plays a full ninety, but he'll probably start. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm the I only reason why I, I'm like period. Yeah, I mean like the only reason why like Obviously, like he would by merit, he deserved a start. But as far as like fitness, like you know, the seventy that's minute only, that's regi- only question. regiment, yeah, seventy minute regiment, keep it coming, right? Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah, and you know, our fucking captain, our blood and fucking soul of this team. I feel like right now because there's just not a lot of that going around lately. Um, I love like his uh his post after the match, like everyone commenting, my captain, my captain, like glad, glad to have you back. All of the, all of the, uh, you know, all of his teammates. And I got fucking giddy just reading it through that. It's like, <laughs> my captain. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's nice. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say Kaiseido song. I, I, I had to hold myself earlier in the podcast when you were talking shit, but I, I thought this was yeah. one of his more complete performances. And, like you talked about Enzo Fernandez struggling. I think Caicedo was actually keeping him afloat, if anything. I think Enzo would have looked a lot worse if he wasn't playing next to him. Um, I, I know I, I counted in the first 10 minutes or 12 minutes, I think it was, uh, Enzo got beat three times by somebody just simply dribbling by him. Um, nothing, nothing crazy. So, I mean, he was basically doing his best Jorginho impression uh, the whole entire match by being a traffic cone. And Caicedo was doing a decent job of breaking up play, um, but most importantly, the thing I noticed with him was he was our most progressive passer from the midfield position. The only person that had more uh, more passes into the final third than Caicedo across the whole match was Reese James. He had nine. Caicedo had eight. Cole Palmer had seven. So that just kind of gives you the perspective of the type of impact he had and the intention that he had whenever he did receive the ball. He definitely is surprising me in terms of the progression um when we're when he does have the ball at his feet i thought he was going to be more of like a conte type player where he's just kind of breaking up play paying the sideways pass or feeding it off to enzo so he can be the playmaker but in fact caicedo just kind of takes that responsibility for himself at times he plays a difficult pass he finds a through ball um he'll play a ball over the top if he absolutely needs to and he does the defensive side too so i don't think he was terrible today i actually think he was one of our best players and if i'm going to be honest the only three players that i thought were playing well were the three players that we just mentioned and caicedo cole palmer and reese james i think those are the only guys that can walk away from that match with their head held high like you know what 
I pulled my weight. I did exactly hey, what I needed Sanchez. to do. Robert, Robert Sanchez, Sanchez as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert Sanchez as well. He did, he made a couple crucial saves. And um, he didn't fuck up anything. Uh, there was almost. one point. There was a point where he reached down. I feel like he was about to pick up the ball. It was a direct pass to him, and he was like, "Oh no, I can't do that." So that yeah, would have been hilarious, to, man. I had a flashback to coaching my U11s, man. Holy moly, when I saw that. Um, yeah, when when you're comparing him to an 11 year old, that's when it's bad. But that's, that's when he did. Yeah, good good on him. Yeah, but all in all, it was a, uh, you know, three points in the bag. We move forward, and now we have Man City next weekend. Um, do any of you guys know if Holland is? what his status is because i know he was taken off at the half this past yeah, weekend. i don't know i haven't seen anything i mean that's going to be crucial whether or not he plays obviously um but assuming he doesn't i mean they still have a more than viable backup in in Alvarez. <laughs> yeah. i mean he would start on any other premier league side i mean he um, starts anyway he just starts next starts, to holland um yeah it says that he should have been back by now it says expected return doubtful it's an ankle injury i mean yeah they can yeah, probably give thing. themselves the day off we'll see well like they can... play they play mid midweek right yeah oh they so... got champions league yeah that's right they yeah, got champions so league we'll i think they play young boys at home because holland so probably won't um, i'm yeah, saying it like i'm the only play. one but holland's on all of our fantasy teams so i kind of memorize his schedule <laughs> <laughs> yeah they play young boys tomorrow um Okay. At home. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see if he plays against young boys. Then the odds are he probably plays against Chelsea. But then again, if he doesn't play against young boys, maybe they're resting him for Chelsea. I mean, who knows? You got to keep your eye on that space. I think that's really the yeah. only questionable thing going into that match. I mean, everybody else is relatively healthy for Man City. We know what they're going to offer. They're going to play Rodri. They're going to play Kovacic. They're going to, you know, Alvarez is going to be out there. Doku's for sure going to start. He's been on fire for them lately. You're going to see them play probably three or four center backs. I mean, it's the usual for Man City. We we know exactly yeah. what to expect. So, do you guys have anything else to add before we uh, tie up the loose end on this one? Time to beat the next top of the table, people. We like to play yeah, first and, place. Uh, and fuck Tottenham. We're unbeaten. Uh, once more. I just want to double down on the fuck Tottenham, you know. Have to. Chelsea podcast, but uh, anyways, <laughs> that is the end of this episode. And uh, you know, if you guys wait, are we're still not even gonna, we're no predictions, huh? No one wants to oh. make a prediction. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I just want to see if you guys want to make a prediction. What did we? What did I predict uh, last week? One one, something like that. I don't remember. I think we all declined because we were depressed. Cole Palmer is we about to just go off, and then he's just gonna go in front of Pep and say. Fuck you. Mm. The Cole Palmer Darby. I don't think we yeah. win, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I just want to see us compete. I will say this. It's going to be a while. I think the, I right, think the worst way for us to drop points in that match is if Kovacic scores on us. Like, what are no. the odds? <laughs> dude, that dude is not scoring on us. <laughs> Robert Sanchez <laughs> would need to, like, volley from outside would literally the box. need you to trip know. on his shoes. No, he need to trip on his fucking feet, fall backwards, and then, like, just, I don't know, yeah. man. There's no way Kovic just scores just on us. Andres, I don't even know if he'll start he, against us. I know you're saying that tongue-in-cheek, but we've seen Robert Sanchez trip and fall on his feet, like, three or four times this season already, so... 
Not I'm just saying that's what it would take. That's what it would take <laughs> for Kovacic to score. That dude is not scoring on us. That dude scores I, in Europe, not England. I'll say this. I think for Man City, my expectations are different from Spurs. I think with Spurs, it's 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 you know obviously the rivalry and everything. It has to be competitive. But with yeah. Man City. I'm not really looking at the scoreline because I'm not expecting much. I don't think we have enough to put more than maybe one goal past them, if that. So with that being said, I think the performance is more important in this game than anything. You know, I just want to see some sort of cohesion. I want to see defensive solidity. I want to see transition from defense to attack. It just needs to look cohesive. Like the guys know what they're fucking doing. I think we go too much the, my my prediction my prediction is that our lineup is going to look like the Arsenal game lineup with Cole Palmer at false nine. Mm, interesting shout. Get Broge the fuck out of there and damn. Down. Imagine if Nico Jackson gets benched oh, after I mean, scoring that's a what I trick. I'm that's <laughs> what I meant. For, uh, get fucking Nico Jackson out of there. I'm down. It's, it's all right. We'll see. Well, we'll we'll wrap this one up. Sam needs to go to bed, rest his brain a little bit, get back on track. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're still listening, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Blues on Parade. We do record after every single match. We also post a question suite where you can ask a question or just simply comment on the game, and you'll have a chance to be read out on the podcast and you'll get a shout out too. It's really cool. So until next week, let's keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>